What is up? And welcome back to Beyond the Arc with Brandon Silvers. As always, I am your host, Brandon Silvers. Have an exciting one today. We're doing another in the My Favorite Team Ever series, talking about the 1983 NBA champion, Philadelphia 76ers. I am happy to be joined by the founder, the mentor mogul of Mom Your Business, where she works to alleviate poverty by equipping black and brown women with the tools and resources they need to succeed as entrepreneurs. Philly's own Tanya Morris. Tanya, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Brandon, for having me. I'm so excited to talk about my favorite, one of my favorite things, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and, and jump right into it. So what do you remember being a Philly fan prior to that 83 season? Yeah, so for me, actually, um, I remember a lot because actually, ironically, the season before that, the Sixers were up three to one on the Boston Celtics. They came back and tied that series in game six at the Philadelphia Spectrum. And I was in the building for that particular oh. game. I was actually at that game, me, my mom and a friend and to say that the fans were livid would be an understatement. Um, I mean, throwing things, you know, and then Celtics fans were at the game. So it was just, I mean, it was just an epic, epic encounter. And you leave a game like that thinking that there's just no way that they come back and win this series. They're going up to Boston. Mm. There's absolutely no way that we're going back to championship that we're going to championship this year. And to to all of our surprise, they went in there and snatched that game um like you would not believe Doc was incredible. Andrew Tony was amazing. So this is pre-Moses Malone. We're talking about Caldwell Jones and Daryl Dawkins and you know we talk about guys that that aren't even with us anymore. And so that is the memory leading up to that year because we didn't know what was going to happen after that That because they ended up losing to the Lakers. That was the year Doc did that incredible move under the basket. Magic had 42 in, in, in Kareem's place that year as the starting center in his rookie year. Like, it was just, it was just an epic battle. You know, it was an epic battle. What a time to be able to witness all that. Like, that, I'm jealous <laughs> and I, I want to touch on a couple of names that you you pulled up. So Caldwell Jones, I feel like people don't really know a ton about Caldwell Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then Daryl Dawkins. Mm -hmm. I read his autobiography, also born on January 11th, like me. So I was very invested okay. in Daryl Dawkins, the the guy who was shattering backboards. Talk the thunder. <laughs> yes. From Planet Lovetron, was it? Lovetron, Planet, yes, Planet sir. Lovetron. <laughs> so you had all these characters on this team. And then obviously, Julius Irving, the doctor. The doctor. So I was reading up on Julius to prepare for this. I did not know. He started in the ABA with the Nets. Correct. I didn't know that... The Nets basically traded him to get the money to be able to participate in the NBA after the merger. That's correct. That's exactly what happened. And and actually, prior to Doc coming to the Sixers, I just was playing basketball. 
I still remember seeing him on the cover of the Philadelphia News Daily News that said there's a doctor in the house. Um, and I was like, and he had a Nets jersey on. I'm like, what is going like what like who is this guy? Like, like I'm literally because I'm not really a fan. I just like to play it. That's a, I'm like, who is this guy? And I was like, and and the city was just a buzz. People that knew they were like, we got Dr. J, we got Dr. J. Um, and then they went to the championship that year with Doug Collins and Henry Bibby and George McGinnis and Caldwell Jones and Dale Dawkins were part of that team as well. So that's when I really fell in love with the Sixers was when they got Dr. J. That was it for me. That that would certainly do it. I was also reading he was offered to the Knicks first and the Knicks mm -hmm. turned him down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> yes. Ain't that something right there within your own city, within your own backyard? Because when the when the ABA folded, um, a lot of these teams did not know what the future was going to look like. Right? Obviously, the Knicks were part of the NBA, um, but you have teams like the Indiana Pacers, the Denver Nuggets, San Antonio Spurs. Those were teams, you know, then um, the Buffalo Brave, those teams that were part of that ABA that were coming into the NBA, um, it was really a risk in this real merger. And mm -hmm. so um, the Knicks were just, they just didn't, let's just say they didn't know no better for lack of a better word. <laughs> what could have been? Because what like you been? said, immediately made the finals and he basically made y'all Eastern Conference contenders all the way, obviously to this 83 team. Cause y'all, mm -hmm. y'all went, y'all made a couple of finals appearances yeah. leading up to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the year before um, we lost that that three to one that year when um, in eighty two, right? And so we we often say that that was our ring that Boston got the year before that when they beat your Houston Rockets. As a Rockets. matter of fact, <laughs> with 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 Ralph Sampson, and uh, we often say that that was that was our ring. Um, had we not lost that when they came from the three when they came back from down, being down three to one, it's such a anomaly when you're up three to one to come for for somebody to come back when you're down. And Boston did it twice. When you think about it, to the Sixers, they were down three to one. They came back and took it to a seven game series twice. Then those two seasons. <laughs> Just a cold yeah. team. Yes. So in addition to, to Dr. J, a couple of the key players, you mentioned Andrew Tony. Explain how great Andrew Tony was, because Charles Barkley called him the best player he ever played with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew was amazing. I mean... This guy was 6'4", right, um, came from a small school, Southern Mississippi, I think was the name of the school he went to, um, and had a awesome first step and just a dagger shot. Like, he mm. would just shoot it in your face. I mean, you know, the Boston Strangler, so much so. He would kill Boston so much. So to Boston said, listen, we're going to go back. We're going to go get the best defensive player, one of the best defensive player, and probably one of the best backcourt defensive player in the NBA, and Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson. Uh, because we need, some, we need some help. Who's actually one of my favorite players. I love that team when he was on um, Seattle, him and Gus Williams and downtown Freddie Brown mm. and uh, Lonnie Shelton and Jack Sigma. I used to love, I used to, I love that team. And so, 
They got Dennis Johnson just to deal with Andrew. That's how much he was killing them. They they got they got Dennis Johnson just to deal with Andrew. And um it worked sometimes, but sometimes, you know, it didn't. He was cold. <laughs> so you had and, cold. Andrew Tony, whose career later we might talk about with his his foot yeah. injuries ended yeah. prematurely. Yeah. Then also in 1978, I believe, drafted Mo Cheeks mm-hmm. out of West Texas A&M, West Hall Texas of Famer. A&M. Yes. People, he, he feels like one of those forgotten players yeah. to me. Do you have a modern comp for him? Because I've got, I've got one that came to mind, but I don't know. If, yeah, you if know, I'm the thing about thing thing about Mo was, and Mo is still even right now top top ten all time steals, top ten all time assists to to this day, right? So to your point, underrated um, point guard in the NBA. I think modern day to day, I don't know. It's kind of hard because Mo was such a true point guard, and I don't think we have a lot of those now. Um, I think That's a guy true. like maybe maybe like a Mike Connolly, um, a true a true point guard. Um, I know maybe Halliburton, but he's bigger and and probably a little quicker than Mo, and, and probably doesn't defend a, real, as much as well as Mo because Mo was also all all defense too. So um, I was thinking <laughs> of like a Mike Conley, maybe yeah. Drew Holiday, maybe Drew hybrid. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. where I went just based off of the the highlights I've seen of him and just reading, reading the resume as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where like not as known forgotten. Cause he, I mean, this team was stacked. We're about to talk about the rest of them too, but a guy who he could ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mo, Mo was, Mo was awesome. I remember when he got drafted um, and that was back when the league had what, four, six rounds. They had a million rounds. (laughs) Everyone was getting drafted. I think I would have been drafted too. And they was like, it was drafting everybody. So you're back then when there were like a lot of rounds and, and nobody knew who he was and came in and contributed immediately um, to this team as it with his leadership and with his ball handling um, and his, you know, he made, he, made Henry Bibby expendable, right? Um, because he was everything that Bibby was not. He was a better shooter, he was quicker, um, but he was he was a great player. And then another player who came in that offseason too, Bobby Jones, the Secretary of Defense. The Secretary of Defense. I still remember that night poster more being being in the record store around around the around the way and I'm telling you it was like because we it was t- it was tough because we were all big fans of George McGinnis and we wanted you know rest in peace because he just recently passed away mm-hmm. you know late last year uh, we really wanted to see him and Doc uh succeed together right and so the Sixers make this move they send Bobby Jones to um, excuse me, sent George McGinnis to Denver for, for Bobby Jones. Um, and it's like, okay, so who's going to start now? And, you know, what what is going to, you know, be the next move? Because they still had Ollie, they had guys like Ollie Jones, Ollie Johnson, and they still had, uh, and the only reason I know Ollie because he went to Temple, and I'm a Temple alum, so I know, I remember oh. him, and it was just like, you know, who is this guy? But he was just, Bobby, I never, to this day, and I honestly can say to this day, I can't remember seeing nobody play one-on-one defense like like Bobby Jones. Eight Bobby Kakar. Yeah, eight times. Eight times eight first time. team all defense. Say no more, right? <laughs> 
it, I was reading the stories, people talking about him. Uh, it were kind of funny too, because I guess he was like a devout Christian. Yes. And so guys <laughs> were afraid to even curse around him, even though he he wasn't like you can't curse around him. But they were like, we don't yeah. want to curse around him. Yeah. And just all he cared about was my job. I'm gonna go play my role to yes. the best of my ability, and I'm yes. gonna lock up whoever whoever I'm guarding. Yes. They're done that yes. night. Yes. Yes. And he and and that was the thing. The Sixers knew with that team that they could go on that court and it did not matter who was the top defender that Bobby Jones would lock them down. Mo Cheeks would lock down the backcourt and Doc could therefore go and do what he was great at, which was score. And Andrew could go do what he was great at, which was score. And that was the, the, you know, now when people talk about big threes and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of funny to me because I grew up watching Doc and Andrew, and then you add Moses Malone, who was one of the greatest. You know, and even then, you were a Moses fan. You couldn't help but be a Moses Malone fan, even when he was on the Rockets, because he was so dominant, right? So it was like, those, those were the big threes that we saw, right, when when I was growing up. And, and you think about the even with the Lakers, you know, Magic and and Kareem and Worthy, like and Byron Scott, like they these these were the thing. These were these are the guys that I grew up watching. You know, these are the guys that I grew up watching. So what was the feeling before you got Moses, right after that season, you lost in the finals. Yep. And that had kind of been the story ever since. Doc had gotten there where, yeah. okay, we're going to the finals, Eastern Conference finals, but we can't quite get over that hump. What was the feeling when that loss in the 82 finals happened? Was it like, huh, same old 76ers or or how, what was the vibe in the city or just with you personally? Well, I think it was, it was, a, it was because the Lakers were good, right? Even though they had Magic, who was a rookie, we just we, everybody knew that they were good. And a lot of people may not remember this, and some of your listeners may that when the Sixers they were they they crushed Boston so bad, right? That the fans were up saying beat L.A. Beat L.A. Right? And it's like okay, what is happening right now? That Boston fans are cheering for for Sixers fans for Sixers to go and beat the Lakers because the Lakers were so awesome, and so. When they went and um, it was, you know, it they were in it even at the coming because my concern was was that how do they come back? Can they compete after coming off of such a monumental series? Right, mm -hmm. you're up three one. Boston ties it. You lost to them three when you were up three one the year before the season before. What is that going to look like? You know, are they going to be able? To, and they took it to seven games, right? And it took it. They took it to seven games, and it took a almost perfect performance from Magic Johnson for them to to not win the championship that year. So there was disappointment. There was definitely disappointment. But I remember the then owner at that time, Harold Cat, standing in the locker room with them guys and tell and 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 the reports were was that he was going to make sure that they made changes that next season. He didn't nobody knew what it was. But he was going. They were going to make some monumental changes that next season. Mm -hmm. He said, "We will never feel like this again." And he went and got the best center in the NBA and pulled out Moses the big Malone. Joker. The big Joker <laughs> threw it on the table. Moses Malone had just won MVP with the Rockets the year before. Yep. And then he's coming to the Sixers to a team that had made the finals. Yep. 
that is like like the big thing in recent history was KD joining the Warriors. Yes. yes. How does that yes. compare to this? Yes, yes, yes. I think it's different on a couple of levels. One, because Kevin was a free agent. Um, and he chose to go to Golden State, right? That's the whole uh conversation around him going to to Golden State. You know, he went teamed up with the team that beat his team and he could have stayed there. Moses, that was a trade. That was that was Caldwell Jones and the Sixers number one pick um for for Moses and some other things for, for, for Moses for Moses Malone. And but we knew what we were getting, right? Um, whether or not, you know, I don't know how it rang in Houston. They knew the greatness of Moses Malone, but what what that ended up for them, what their feedback was from them as far as, man, we lost the greatest center ever, or what they thought they could build on with getting the Sixers number one pick and, and some of the other things. We were ecstatic. I mean, I remember people coming out on their steps saying, we got Moses Malone, we got Moses Malone, like riding on the subway, riding on buses, and people saying, yo, we got their papers, yo, we got Moses Malone, we got Moses wow. Malone. Like, I just remember the excitement level. Like, it was just no question in the city's mind that in 1983, which actually was the year I graduated from high school, which is why it's special to me, that we were going to go win the NBA championship. There was just no question. That is awesome. The, the theme of this team that I keep coming back to is underrated superstars. Mm. <laughs> and Moses Malone basically epitomizes that the first player to be drafted professionally out of high school went to the ABA the year mm -hmm. after that. That's when Daryl Dawkins actually drafted by the Sixers out of high school, but Moses yep. was the one in all of professional basketball MVP with the Rockets. Yep. Just what a story. His parents were both under six feet and Moses somehow ends up being six ten. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but he had small hands Yes. So he had to tip the rebounds to himself, did he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it's 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 all about. And I'm sure you've heard Charles tell the story about from his rookie year until Moses died, he called him dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and how you know when they were going the road, Moses would come and knock on his door. He be in there, Charles be in there eating pizza and doing whatever he was doing. He said, he said, Moses told Charles, "You're not going to be." the great player that you can be because you're fat and you're lazy. Um, and he said, those were the things that changed the trajectory of his career. Cause people don't realize Barkley, you know, that round mount of rebound and all, and all of those, all of that kind of stuff, that stuff was real. He was overweight, but he was quick as a cat, even at the weight that he was at and he could jump. And so, to have a mentor like Moses come and say, man, listen, you can be great, but you you can't be doing this kind of stuff. And you would look at Moses and think he might not be the most in shape cat, but he understood those things and he couldn't jump, but he ball control. And it was one thing that I tell people all the time about rebounding. This is one of my one of my angst with Joel is rebounding is more is more about effort than anything else. hundred percent. Get the effort ball. Go get the and ball. Position. Effort and position. And 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 the thing about today's NBA, these guys don't put a body on no, on anyone to get a rebound. They rely on their athleticism. 
to get a rebound. And that's my issue. That's one of my main, that's one of my main critiques of Joel is he relies on his height and his athleticism to get rebounds. And he never uses his body, puts his body on anybody to really get a rebound. And that's what Moses did. That's what Charles did. That's what a slender, skinny Dennis Rodman did. He put, he is skinny as he was. And, you know, we were looking at stats the other day, talking about him and PJ Tucker's, how he doesn't really score the ball, but maybe he's Rodman. Rodman got 28 rebounds one game. Are you like, are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. There's got to be that love for that physicality. Yes. And that's what Moses, if you go look up his rebounding numbers, you don't get all those rebounds, particularly on the offensive end, nope. if you don't love physicality. That's right. That's right, Brandon. That's right. And, and you're right about just the testament to his greatness. All you need to know is we don't have Charles Barkley or Hakeem Olajuwon without Moses because that's who was pushing Hakeem when Hakeem got to America in Houston, when Moses was mm -hmm. still in Houston, Moses Malone. Mm -hmm. So if Moses was so great, he helped propel these two guys to greatness right. as well. Two of the That's greatest right. players we've ever seen. That's it. So, Hall of Famers, both of them. Hall of Famers. Both just incredible players. Yeah. Not probably not where they ended up being if not for Moses Malone. That's correct. So, like you said, y'all got Moses. Everyone's got their newspapers. They know this is the year. This is the year. This is it. Was there ever any doubt that it was the year? Because I'm looking at the regular season record, and I don't know if I could find any doubt in hindsight. But was it ever like, oh, you know what? We might have we might have got too happy too soon. During the regular season, I would say no. Um, but I think when we got to, because you got to remember back then in those playoff days, I think it was the first round was best three out of five or two out of three in the very in the very first in the very first round and then every and then there and then it was best four out of seven. And so you know Moses predicted predicted four five four. <laughs> four, 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 four. So I think when we lost that first game to Milwaukee, um was when it was like, oh I don't know if this is gonna go as smoothly as we thought, right? Um, another great team, another another great team. My mom was a huge Milwaukee Bucks fan with Marcus Johnson and Sidney Moncrief and those guys. And so another great team. And I, so I think that one loss was just like okay. It was like okay. but they came right back and it was <laughs> and it was and it was off to the finals. Here we go. Let's do it. I want to talk about the regular season awards that the mm. Sixers got that season. So 65 and 17 record, which is incredible. Moses repeats his MVP for a different team, which is that doesn't happen. Like <laughs> Wilt is the only MVP to change teams in the offseason, but I don't believe he won MVP the following year like mm -hmm. Moses did. Mm -hmm. Bobby Jones wins the first ever sixth man of the year. Correct. Dr. J and Moses, all NBA first team. Mm -hmm. Bobby Jones, Mo Cheeks, Moses Malone, all and defense first team. All yes, defense yes, first team. Defense. Yes. <laughs> and then, then that's without even mentioning Andrew Tony, who was dropping 20 a game. Yes. So when you look at that, I would I would be like Moses. I would be thinking fo 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 myself. <laughs> and yeah, the the Knicks that was 
That was a sweep. That was uh, Bernard King. Yes. And, and young Bill Cartwright. Another that one of my favorite players. Yeah, with the Bill Cartwright with the jump shot. I still don't know how that actually went, went towards the hoop. <laughs> and then, like you said, the Bucks. Reading off this Bucks roster, you mentioned Marcus Johnson, Sidney Moncrief, Junior Bridgman. Junior Bridgman. Had the pleasure I, of meeting Junior Bridgman last year in Philly for an event. Great guy. Because that he kind of aligns with what you're trying to do because yep. – I remember reading, I believe it was in Sports Illustrated, rest in peace to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, really. Wendy's and Chili's franchises to build a huge empire. And now he's using his money to do different things and help yes. communities and everything like yes. you're you're doing as well. Yeah. And I just, anytime I see Junior Bridgman, I just think Wendy's. I'm like, <laughs> that's the man with the frosty. Yes, but he, yes. he could hoop too. He could hoop too. Um, they Brian also winners, have... Brian winners. Yes. <laughs> so this is this is kind of funny because I think of him as the first coach of the Vancouver Grizzlies. That's who Brian Winters is to me. That's why. <laughs> I remember reading in the because I used to read almanacs all the time, the basketball yeah. almanacs, and seeing yes. that he played too, and I was like, this guy played. Yes. Because <laughs> he looked he looked very stressed. Like yes. I think something about his face, he just looked gaunt and stressed all the time. I just could not picture him <laughs> Ding up. Um they also had Bob Lanier on that Bucks team. Right. <laughs> and then Paul Pressey was getting Paul Pressey. minutes, but he was yes, he was on the yes, team the, yes. the first over alum. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. Another <laughs> Philly. So another Philly tie, also uh credited as being the first point forward. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And the last name I'm going to drop is Harvey Catchings. Harvey Catchings, former Sixer. Yep, former Sixer, <laughs> um, dad of Tamika Catchings, Tamika. who all-time great women's player. That's right. And then I think I remember reading that he was on that Sixers team with uh, Joe Bryant, <laughs> and then they they played together in Italy too. So Tamika mm -hmm. and Kobe were playing together in Italy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. You connected all the dots there, bird. I was trying. I was like, okay, because I I remember reading that's these right. names. That's I'm like, right. Okay, that's right. That's these right. are familiar yeah, to me. Yeah, Harvey was on that that team that lost to Portland. He was definitely he was on that he was on that team that lost to Portland in the championship. Bill Walton. Yep. Uh Bill Walton, Ma Maurice Lucas. Maurice Lucas. Uh, Bobby Gross. <laughs> so many, so many great players on that team. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. I still remember Daryl and Mo Lucas squaring off. <laughs> I mean, squaring off. <laughs> I tell you what, that says a lot about Daryl Dawkins, because Mo Lucas. <laughs> He was not someone to mess around with. No, he was not. No, he was not. But I mean, the NBA has changed so much. Those that that's just to me, that's just the golden era of the NBA, man. That that's late 70s, 80s up to, to to the 90s. And the Sixers had their bumps. I mean, let's not, you know, um, you know, talk about the year after they won the championship <laughs> we walked, you know but the year after they won the championship when they went out in the first round to the new jersey nets mm. of all teams buck williams and <laughs> some of those guys but buck williams you know, that's a throwback um, 
Yeah, that's a straight up throwback, you know. So, you know, they had their bumps, you know, they had their bumps after after that. And they paid for it. And, you know, they really, they really have paid for it. And, you know, that's one of the things that fans around here say we're still paying for trading Moses, you know, we still mm. we, we have been back to we've been back to championship once with, with, with AI. You know, we we still paying for, for trading Moses, you know. So um, you know, it's uh it's it's just it's just a love of the game, and I just love I love the game. I just love the game. You and me both. So <laughs> y'all y'all bounce back from losing the one game to Milwaukee, then make it to the finals, rematch with the Lakers. How are you feeling heading into that series? Well, here's the thing. I'm a huge Irvin Magic Johnson fan, right? So everybody's harassing me like your boy is going down. Your boy, <laughs> your boy, your boy is going down. I'm like, okay, yes. I'm like, yes, let's do it this year. As I'm like, it's 83, baby. He got to, he got to take it today. <laughs> it's a win-win for you. It's a win-win for me, you know. And Magic was Magic was great. His Magic always always was in the playoff. Magic's playoff performances. I don't think he really gets enough credit when you look at playoff performances. Magic was big time in the playoffs. Like he was huge in the playoffs. And so, you know, they go, they come here, and the Sixers take them one, two, game one and two, like, boom, boom. Like, mm. like, like, like it's nothing. Like this yeah, Lakers say, okay, whatever. Boom, boom. One and two. And it's like, okay, we get ready to go out west and um and do and and see what happens, right? Because you know we got the four 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 on the line, and um, I think game three, it really they came out really really strong. Sixers came from behind in that game, um, and they really came out strong. It was a little little game three was a little up in the air, but game four, uh, man, that was a beautiful game of basketball. That was just <laughs> a beautiful game of basketball. So what's beautiful. the feeling like when the buzzer goes off? When the buzzer goes off in game four, matter of fact, we are already outside <laughs> after Cheeks dunks, after Cheeks' dunk. We are already outside. We 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 are we already outside. Some folks are on the porch that back then we was watching TV on the porch. Like, and we are already outside walking up and down the street, up and down the streets, because we have finally won an NBA championship. Like my sons are so jealous that I got to see an NBA championship. They're like, Mom, like, what was that like? You got to see an actual NBA championship. And I mean, and they've had the Phillies and they've had the Eagles since then, but they they're basketball fans like me. So they're like, they like, you know, an NBA championship um, is just, it's not like it. I mean, mm -hmm. my mom worked for the Sixers the year after they won the championship, but that year she went to the parade. We were just all, <laughs> we were everywhere. I mean, at night, I mean, it was just like a weekend of of activity and ride through the streets and parties and just it was just it was incredible meeting the team at the airport when they came back with Detroit like we were everywhere everywhere they were we were <laughs> the whole city everywhere they were we were you know it was just, it was incredible wow because that is just like that's how building a champion used to be and I I would argue still is because you've seen how Denver has had to kind of take their lumps until they won but yeah you used to just you you would not try to go get a bunch of free agents obviously it was a different 
dynamic with the on the business side too so it's not like you could really do that mm-hmm. but you wouldn't try to get a bunch of superstars it would just be homegrown like dr j got there what 1976 this is like mm-hmm. a seven-year process right that's to right pull it off and that was right. just kind of the norm yeah yeah and you drafted guys again like you said you know cheeks set you know late round pick Tony, Tony, you know, and a lot of a couple guys that are really kind of unsung as a part of that playoff team. A lot of people like I remember when Mark when they got Mark Alvarone, like who's this Mark Alvarone guy? But it was he was just a space filler. We all knew that at the end of the game, Bobby Jones and Doc would be the last ones on the court. But it was it was strategic, like you know, uh, Billy Cunningham doesn't really get enough credit about that team that they really put together him and Pat Williams, Pat Williams. And how they put that and they put that team together. Um, and even with guys that could come in and give you spot minutes, like a Clement Johnson, who was an excellent, an excellent backup center, an Earl Curitan, another one that would come in and those spot minutes just to spell Moses or spell Doc, um, you know, at, at times like that. And, and guys like, Sadell three and 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 Franklin Edwards. These were guys that were just like you know that could just come in. Clint Richardson was one of my favorite players as well. So Clint was the, was a real defensive guy. So he would come in. And he would he would lock down Byron Scott for a period of time just to give Cass a blow. And it, so it was just a it was just a beautifully put together team. To your point, as far as outside of Moses and Bobby as trades, the rest of those guys were homegrown. They were drafted. That's how it was done. That was how it was done. And you're right. Pat Williams as a GM, because he put together the Penny and Shaq magic later on. And that's another team where you're drafting players and developing them. And (laughs) they made a finals. Of course, they, they broke up because the owner didn't want to pay Shaq, but it is what it is. <laughs> so you have this championship. There wasn't really repeats back then. It was like, okay, you get a turn, you get a turn, and you hope to circle back around. But did y'all think, I mean, look, we dominated not only the regular season, we only lost one game in the playoffs. You had to be optimistic heading into the next season. Yeah. So what kind of went wrong to where it kind of fell apart to where you're losing the Buck Williams and the Nets? And Darrell Dawkins was on that team. Too, he, that's right. That um, and I think, I think a couple of things happened. Moses got injured um, at some point during the season that year. It's hard to play at that level year after year. Yes. Um, and so I think that that was, I think that that was part of it. And I, uh, matter of fact, I, I was at game because that was best three out of two out of three. three. I was at one of those Nets games and they just seemed hungrier than the Sixers. Mm. I don't know if it was one of those things where the Sixers thought that they was just going to walk through. I mean, and we were, I mean, we were gutted that they went out in the first round, man. Like, I mean, we were gutted. Like we could not believe that they lost in the first round. And I guess that was Michael Ray Richardson that was on that that team. I'm pretty sure Michael Ray, I'm, I'm almost certain that Michael was on that team. And so, and he, man, he was Wow. <laughs> this is all I can say. Wow. He was doing whatever he wanted. The Mojigs, Tony, what he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And we were gutted because we couldn't believe that they actually went out in the first round. 
that that name drop got me because Michael Ray Richardson. That was he got caught up, I think, with with drugs in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. But when yeah. he was clean and and focused, oh my gosh! I think he oh might have led the league in steals a couple times. Just could do it all. Could do it all. Could do it all. Brandon had the size, and I mean, not he's like six five, six six, but he had the size. He was quick. He could shoot. He was forced. Like he had power to his game. He had speed. To, he was such a deep. Like Michael was just like mm. you said when he was clean. That boy, that was a bad man right there. That was a bad. That was a bad dude. And I think by that time, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure by that time Bernard King was on that team too. I think it was Buck Williams. Well, it would have been close because I know. Yeah, yeah, that, not that, that season. Feel, I'm not going to stop and Google, but that yeah. feels pretty close to being right. Yeah, yeah. So, because they, so they had a good team. I don't want to, um, you know, downplay to the fact that they weren't good. They, they had a good team, but they shouldn't have beat the Sixers. They shouldn't is they shouldn't have beat the Sixers. <laughs> no. That should not have happened. And then I, I believe it was after that season's the '84 draft. So, okay, you get this pick from the Clippers in it, there was a 1978 trade for World Be Free is how World you got Be the pick. <laughs> Another great player, a character who is so good in that like in that era. Originally named Lloyd. Lloyd, that's right. <laughs> Everyone said he was all world, changed his name to World, World Be Free. He was a great scorer. They make that trade, they get the Barkley pick. So there had to be some hope going into 84, 85. You don't know really what you have in Barkley because, like you said, he was he was testing the limits of those Auburn uniforms with all yes. that he was eating. But you get this, this very high pick, and you still have most of that core. Mm -hmm. Aging, but they're still together. Aging, but still together. Yep. And but the one thing that that really seems to be a difference is I believe this is when Andrew Tony started having the foot issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm wondering how much of a role that played in like, okay, we've got this aging core, but kind of seems to me like Tony was supposed to be the bridge between that aging core and Barkley. Yeah. But then you didn't really get that bridge. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't get that bridge. And then also in that in that same draft, you know, they drafted Leon Wood that year too. NBA referee. Um, yeah, NBA referee Leon Wood, who was to become Mochix's heir apparent, right? So to your point as far as that bridge, uh, but without Tony, that opportunity, I think Cats and them got a little nervous and got mm. a little and got a little desperate. Um, like, you know, Doc is aging, Bobby's aging. Moses is aging. Um, what are we going to do? Which which made the trade um, even make less made even lesser sense. Um, but when you think about it, to trade Moses for 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 Brad Doherty, even though Brad Doherty did not have a very long career, a very long career, he had a good solid career. Um, Big big NAS, NASCAR guy now does NASCAR yeah. <laughs> does NASCAR for ESPN. Big NASCAR guy now, but that's what made it even more perplexing because now, um, and Charles says it best when he said when they told him he said the Sixers can't be that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that was his little. That was literally his answer. Sixers can't be that stupid, but they were. Because Moses, uh, he kept producing. He kept putting up numbers in the league. For years, almost a decade after that trade. So mm -hmm. 
it was kind of odd at the time. We didn't have the the training and everything where you see a guy like LeBron and KD who are older guys producing today. So maybe it was a bit of an anomaly with Moses Malone, but he still put up numbers for a while. Yeah, yeah. So he went to was so you know, Moses goes to Washington for Jeff Rulon. Uh, yes. Who um was never any good in my opinion. <laughs> I never was a big fan. I didn't think he wasn't Moses caliber worthy, no. you know. And they get Roy Henson, um, who has bad knees. So you get Roy Henson who has bad knees, you get Jeff Rulin who has bad knees. Um, so it's like, are, are you really improving your roster? Right. It was just totally, totally perplexing. And if I'm not mistaken, by that time Pat would Pat had moved on. Um, to start building Orlando, or he had taken hiatus, or somewhere in between there, um, he had moved on, and so uh, wasn't totally his decision. This was this was Cats. We all knew it was Cats. Um, not believing in Moses, not wanting to pay Moses um, again, or whatever. Doc getting older, you know, whatever the case may be, and so it was just, it was it was a sad, sad day in the city of Philadelphia. That that does sound rough because yeah, you mentioned Doc. He he retired in '87, I believe, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. it's just there's nothing left. Nothing at that point, really. You just got Barkley. Then of course Barkley, he gets traded to Phoenix, and so it was kind of dark times in Philly mm -hmm. until AI showed up. Yep. <laughs> that. What was that like as someone who had seen the glory days? And then you're yeah. thinking like, we should be in the mix with the Lakers and Celtics and, and then Pistons in the later eighties and early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, none yeah. of that comes around. None of that comes to fruition. Yeah. And then it's just like nothing going on yeah. until AI came on the scene. Yeah. And you know, Charles, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to Charles for just a minute because Charles talks about that time, about when they got, um, Mahorn and Mike Jeminski and Johnny Dawkins and ha Hersey Hawkins and Ron Anderson was coming off the bench that he felt like that was the only time in his era po post that trade that they could compete. Mm. Um, and, and but that was that was Jordan. That was yeah. You know <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was tough. That was tough that was to tough, deal with. You know that was Jordan. And then you know Charles goes goes to Phoenix because he just can't do it anymore. Um, and then this little, this little, and, and I'm a big college basketball fan, so I had seen AI play. I had seen him because that was at the height of the Big East when you know when he was there. And um, again, it's like, um, you know, in between there, you had Sean Bradley was probably sprinkled in there somewhere too. I think. Yeah, <laughs> so, number two pick. Sean yeah, Bradley. number two pick. Yeah, uh huh. Yep. So he was kind of sprinkled in there somewhere, and you get you get Allen, and you know it's going to be rough. But the excitement level of this guy who's barely six foot that could shoot the lights out and get to wherever he wanted on the court. Kobe said it best. We're fortunate that he's not six five because he could get anywhere on the court whenever he wanted. And he had the right, they had the right mixture because Pat Croce, who had been a part of 
that Sixers team in other roles. He's now part owner. Comcast comes in, and it's just a whole new dynamic as far as where that old ownership group is gone. Cats is gone. You know, that whole ownership, that old group is gone, and it's a whole new level of excitement as far as where we can go now on the coattails of Allen Iverson. So it was really transformational um, when, when the Sixers drafted him. And they had been trying to to draft. You mentioned Sean Bradley, but then I remember they tried to get a Barkley replacement in Clarence Weatherspoon. They got uh, Jerry Stackhouse. That looked like a pretty yeah, good pick. Stackhouse, yeah, yeah, Stackhouse. Um, that didn't really work out with with mm -hmm. AI. And then they they decided to go all in on this little guy, like you said. Mm -hmm really can't think of a team going all in on a guy that small. Uh, I guess maybe Isaiah would be maybe Isaiah the mm -hmm. only other mm -hmm. guy who they're just going all in on. Yeah. And but they build this Isaiah, team. But even with Isaiah, though, they didn't have to, Daly didn't have to change the way he coached. Correct. Right. Larry Brown had to literally change the way he coached and the way that they built that team to completely run through him without the ball being in his hand to start. Cause it wasn't until snow came that it was like, okay, Larry's like, okay, that we got to do something different. Cause this guy's on, on a whole nother level. So they get, they get Eric snow and that totally changes the whole dynamic of the team when they get snow and cliff Rob, uh, uh what's my man's name? Um, Tyrone, Tyrone Hill, um and Theo Ratliff and no when they they and, and Aaron McKee and they get guys that don't need the ball. <laughs> That's the key. Okay? They got guys that didn't need the basketball. And that totally changed the whole wisdom with the Pistons. Isaiah was just so dynamic already and a good defender. They didn't really they just had to put the right pieces in place. Like even when they traded um Dantley to get Mark Aguirre, right, to, to, so that they could get over that hump. That was just, okay, that's just one little missing link. Okay, got McGuire, and they got over that hump immediately. So, you know, with Allen, I think it was a little it was a little different. And not only is he, like, one of a kind as a player on the court, but then the influence he had on basketball off the court. What was it like being in Philly with that? Because I know what it was like being in Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> and you were trying to look like AI. You see everyone trying to look like AI. Doesn't matter. Like the little country white kids. Doesn't matter. Everyone wanted to be AI. Yes. Yes. Everyone wanted to be AI. I mean, you heard, you, you, you heard, which I thought was awesome, Dwayne Wade in his Hall of Fame speech. You know, he had Allen, um, you know, be his inductor, right? Because he said he wore a sleeve on his elbow because Allen Iverson wore one of what people don't, what most people don't know. He wore one because he didn't have any elbow cartilage in his elbow. So that was to protect his elbow. It wasn't a fashion thing. It hmm. was for, it was for a purpose. He didn't have any cartilage in his, in his, in his, in his elbow. And so in, in Philly, it was, it was AI 24-7. It was just, 
you know, we knew where he hung out at. He, hung, he loved the TGL Fridays on City Avenue. <laughs> that was his spot. Uh, it was a hotel there at the time called the Adams Mark Hotel. That's where all his crew hung out at. I mean, it was just like Alan owned this city. That's why right now Alan shows up and it's, you know, it's 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 AI on he uh, he owns the city. I've never seen a guy, and this includes Doc, and this includes Barkley, Donovan McNabb. You can go through all of our franchises that can show up in the city at any given time at any given where, and it's it's stop, it's it's mm. claps, it's what's up AI. It, it's just like Allen culturally what he brought not only to the league but to Philly. Um I it's unmatched, it's unparalleled. I don't think anybody, and that includes number 21 on the current team, will ever um capture that. I just don't I just don't see that happening. Um Allen is in the class all his own. He really you can't think of Allen Iverson without thinking of Philly. Like I know he's from Virginia, but that's right. Philly and Allen Iverson, they just go hand in hand in my mind. I picture him on the on the cover of Slam magazine with the blowout fro, with the roses. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's Allen Iverson. Like, man, I wish I could relive that time and appreciate it even more because I was all in on Allen Iverson. Yes, just what he brought to the culture and what he represented. Yeah. But just to yeah. go back, like I miss that so much. Yes, me too. Me too. Me. You know, I I don't go to a lot of games now. I do still go. I mean, I go, but I'm but when you went down there, when 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 Bubba Chuck as uh <laughs> like Brown called him, when you went down there when Bubba Chuck was here, it was just it was an experience, man. It was just a, hmm. it was just an experience. I can only imagine. <laughs> so before we get to this year's team, because I do want your thoughts. Yes. I need to know, you mentioned you went to Temple, born and raised in Philly. Yep. You are one of the most impressive basketball minds I've ever had a chance to talk to. Who are some of your favorite players with Philly connections? With Philly connections? Wow, man. I got to think about that one for a minute. I get in trouble if I don't say Kobe. <laughs> True. <laughs> Right, I would get in immediate trouble. I don't say Kobe uh, with Philly connections. Because um, tr truly, a basketball city. I think of of Gratz High School. You got everyone. Rasheed yeah. Wallace came. Yeah, there. Rashid, yeah, Rashid. Yeah, Rashid. Um, obviously, I know. I know Rashid. Um, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a, a guy. I'm gonna start with a guy. With two guys, one. Ended up in the NBA. One, unfortunately, did not. Uh, one would be Pooh Richardson. Um, played for a period of time for the Indiana Pacers. Um, um, he would be a friend. He he would be one of my with, with local ties. Um, another one um, would be the late great Hank Gathers, and Hank we just Gathers. believe that Hank would have been a tremendous, tremendous NBA player. And I don't say that just because he was a friend, um, but his game was just, I mean, 6'11 and could do it all with the basketball, just could absolutely do it all. Um, second player like ever. Yeah. Second, second player ever to lead the NCAA in college mm -hmm. and scoring in the same season. Yep. 
<laughs> first was Xavier McDaniel. Xavier met the X-Man. <laughs> from Columbia, South Carolina. So I got to shout out my South Carolina people. <laughs> also went to Wichita State. I don't know how that happened. Yes, he did. But, yes, he did. <laughs> but yeah, Hank Gathers, that story, obviously incredibly tragic, but you watch him yeah. and watch the, the 30 for 30 and see yeah. what he was doing on the court. Man. Hank was Hank, Hank, Hank was amazing. Um, I grew up a big fan of Gene Banks um, as well. Gene Banks played for Duke. Actually, that was when I first started following college basketball was when Gene Banks uh, went to Duke. So he was he was someone um, that I was a big fan of. I have to really think about like some other guys. Aaron, obviously, you mentioned Aaron McKee, obviously. Um, and I think those are guys Richardson that I ran away. Was Pooh, yeah. he went to UCLA? Pooh went to UCLA, that's right. I was right. trying yep. to find that one. Yep. Went to Ben Franklin High School here and went to um, went to UCLA. Yep. A guy who I always loved went to Temple, Eddie Jones. Yes, Eddie is actually a friend of the family. <laughs> Let him know. I said, I'm sure he'll care about my opinion. The smoothest guy I've ever seen on a basketball court. Like that dude just always looked unbothered. And he, I remember him taking off from the free throw line and shooting a finger roll. And it was just, mm -hmm. just crazy, just smooth Eddie Jones. Also Charlotte Hornets back when I was keeping up with them too. Yeah, that was um yeah, Eddie, 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 Eddie was a nice player, man. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie really was a really nice player. Me and my mom, we often joke about about Joe Bryant because Joe really um was a mediocre player. The fact that Kobe went on to be so great. Um, it's kind of amazing when you think that about blows it. your mind. Yeah, it just really blows your mind. He was really, he was really a, a mediocre player. Um, another, another guy for me is uh, Jameer Nelson. Mm. Um, uh, I love Jameer. Obviously, followed his career from St. Joe's all the way to the NBA, and now he's the, you know, he's the. I don't know if you noticed or not, but he's the, the Sixers uh, D League team's um, general manager. Okay. I yeah. saw his son yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah. I I was sick. I was sick. I was like, am I old enough to be watching Jameer Nelson Jr. right now? <laughs> I was like, please let it be another one. But no, it was the right one. It was him. I seen it too. Who is it? You remember who he plays for Brian? Because I just seen it the other day and I was like, Jameer Nelson Jr. Is that right? Is it Baylor? I think he plays for Baylor. I do have to look this one up because I can't get yeah. this one wrong because He's still hooping. Oh. TCU, it looks like. Oh, TCU, okay. Maybe they were playing Baylor, okay. Yes, okay. yes. Yep, yeah, TCU Baylor just played. Okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so let me see. I'm, I'm trying to, oh, my friend, uh, Rasul Butler was another guy. Oh. <laughs> Rasul was another, uh, Lionel Simmons, um, those were guys. Elkrain. Yeah, yeah, those were guys, those were some of those are some of my guys. Yeah, yeah. And um I was a huge fan because you know, I, I played ball. So during the summer league, we a lot of us played in the in the Sunny Hill um summer league because he had men's and he had women's. And so I got to hang around with um Lou Lloyd a lot because <laughs> he was always playing down there. Horace Pappy Owens was another guy that was always down there. Um 
as well as Lionel Simmons and and and, and Pooh and all and all of those guys. So a lot of those guys and Greg and Duck Overthrow, Randy Woods and all of those guys were were uh, around the same playing around the same time that I was playing. Okay, well, talk a little bit about your game because we haven't <laughs> talked about you as a hooper. <laughs> well, it, it must have tell. I was big. I was big in high school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was big in high school. That was about that's about it for me. Was um lost my video. Let me see here. I don't know what happened. There we go. Back. Um yeah. Um yeah, we um yeah, I played I, so I played during those times when those guys were, were were playing, all of those Hank and, and all those guys. And um I wanted to be a writer. I never wanted I didn't have the opportunities that these young ladies have today to go and play professionally. Overseas was just becoming the norm, you know, an opportunity there. So it was, I don't know what's going on with my stuff. Let me see. It was just becoming an opportunity when I was graduating from high school and going to college. So like now, you know, I mean, the women's game is at an all, all time high now. I mean, the women's game is incredible now. Leaps and bounds they've made. Yes. Even since the WNBA started, I remember watching the first season. It's like, so much better. I I enjoy. It. That's that's one of my favorite things to watch. So do, 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 do the Houston Comets still have a team? They do not, unfortunately. That I was my team so. growing up, though. But I was yes, like, sir, yes, sir. I was Cynthia like Cooper, Cheryl, Cheryl, all the swoops, Cheryl swoops. <laughs> Kim Porter, Cynthia Cooper. That was my squad. Yes. <laughs> I thought that's how it was because I had just come off the Rockets going back to back, and then the Comets won four straight. And I was like, every team I pull for is just going to win rings. <laughs> Did not turn out like that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. Yes. So I do. Speaking of rings. Yes. Now the Sixers, pretty good season so far. I know MB a little banged up with his knee. How do you feel about the current state of how things are going with these this current 76ers team, especially Couple of big moves, got rid of Harden to start the season, brought in Nick Nurse to coach. Are y'all feeling good up there or or what's the deal? Well, we were until Joel got hurt. We were feeling yeah, really, we were feeling it. really we were feeling really, really good. Um and then it, and it wasn't just him. We've had suffering like I mean, DeAnthony Mountain hasn't played in almost two months now. Um Having Robert Covington back, we all thought that that was a plus defensively. We needed a defensive wing. He hasn't played in almost a month now. Now Tyrese's ankle is sprained. And then, you know, Nick Batum was out for a period of time. And then they, uh, then the flu ran through the team mm. like crazy. So guys were out with and Tobias never misses a game who was out because he was sick with, with the flu. So uh, I honestly... Uh, Brandon always saw this year as somewhat, and I know we're at a pivotal time in Joel's career, but I always saw this year as somewhat of a bridge year. And what I mean by that is because of the uh, because of them trading Harden, um, and because trading Harden and Tobias's money coming off at the end of the year, they're gonna have a lot of cops. They're gonna have a lot of cap space, and people are like, you know, yeah, but. This is a weak free agency summer, right? Because we know Paul George is going to go back to to the Clippers. He's not going to leave. Um, but you have you make those moves. You have that space because it doesn't necessarily mean you sign a free agent. It means you may do a sign and trade like they did exactly. when they got rid of Jimmy. You don't know 
what the things are that you can do. And so um, I always saw this year as a bridge year. Um, I still, and I felt good about them being in that number two seed. I would love for them, for them being, if they were able to hold on to that. But man, oh man, oh man, I, I ain't going to lie. I got to be impressed with the Knicks and how they've been able to turn it around here lately. They're playing pretty they're playing pretty good, and um, that worries me. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Brunson is yeah. out of this world, especially yeah. we were talking about small guys. He's not quite on that level, but he's still yeah. pretty good. Yeah, he's um, pretty. He's Jalen's pretty. Jalen's pretty good, and I've never been much of a of a uh, Julius Randle fan, but them getting. Them getting um, OG has been um, more impactful than I really thought it was going was going to be, and and um, what's that coach's name? Tom. What's his name? What's that? Coach's uh, Thibodeau. Name? I can't Thibodeau. I you know Thibodeau's a heavy defensive guy anyway, right? So for him to get a guy like OG and um, you got Mitchell Robinson back there and some other things that it allows them to do defensively um, is really playoff basketball is about defense, and so them being able to defend. Um, again, nobody can stop twenty one when 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 he's a hundred percent. I mean, that's that's beside the point. But I'm impressed by the Knicks. So, um, you know, just by us losing these last couple of games on this road trip, we've slipped all the way down to the five seed. Um, it's unfortunate, but I mean, it is what it is. So, I'm I'm disappointed. But again, I saw this year as a bridge year. I really did. Um, I felt like next year was going to be our opportunity to really push all the chips into push all the chips on the table and go for it. I think that's a good point, particularly bringing in a new coach. You got to see, yep. kind of let Tyrese Maxey come into his own a little bit. Yep. Yep. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Embiid, he's had another incredible season, uh, even better than last year. Yes. What's the general feeling about him? Because, I mean, I feel like he's a pretty polarizing player nationally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Joel is interesting. And I think I think the spin that we've seen this last two weeks has really been unfortunate. Yes. Um, and I think that Draymond summed it up best, right, because he talked about in his podcast, you know, guys forcing it. Now here we have the face of our league, one of the top players in our league, um, possibly severely injured um, because he kept hearing the criticism that he's ducking this one, he's ducking that one, he's only playing against bad teams. And, you know, people got to realize these guys are human. Like, you know, you think that they don't hear that stuff and they don't want to um, go out and, pe and perform. And I've never questioned his injuries because I, I just believe that, you know, if he's hurt, he's hurt. And I told my son this a, a, a while back, I said, when he when he got that when he was out those two years with his foot, and they did people don't really talk about the surgery that was performed. But I told my son then he will never have an issue with his foot again, and he hasn't. He's got almost like a super foot, the type of Andrew. Yeah. Like if 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 Andrew Tony could have gotten what Joel got, <laughs> he would he would be he would be in the Hall of Fame right Hall now. Hall of Famer. Yeah. If he could have gotten what Joel got to reconstruct his foot. And so, you know, he's he again polarizing is is the is the is the ideal word. I told you my my one pet peeve is um his failure to put his body on folks when it comes to rebounding. Um but outside of man, the guy can do just hey the guy just does anything that he wants. He scores. He 
he now he didn't develop this passing thing. He told he told Brett Brown when we played Sacramento, we played San Antonio. He said, "I'm passing the ball now, right?" Because he now he's starting to pass the ball, and he's a student of the game. If you've ever heard him talk about like he wanted to play because he watched Kobe. And you watched, he watched Akeem. And even when James was here, James taught him to step back three. Like, who's a seven? The guy's seven foot, and James Harden told him to step back three, and he can do it. Like, that's crazy. That's really, really crazy when you think about it. Yeah, I I enjoy watching his, his game. I've enjoyed watching him since he was at Kansas to so see how far he's come since he was at Kansas. Because, I mean, yes. night and day, especially completely different body as well. Yes, yes, yes. I think I agree with you about the physicality. And I think sometimes when he's get when he gets tired, he'll start to force threes. Yep. And so those are really my two things where I'm like, man, be a little more physical, hit the boards harder. And then mm-hmm. if you, if you're tired and you can't, don't shoot a three when you're tired, like that mid range. I mean, he's automatic. From the mid-range. Yeah, from the mid-range, automatic. Getting the post, like, how many people can guard him straight up? Like, I don't, if there's a list, is very small. And he's the player who I think could most play like Elijah Wan. So that's how mm-hmm. I want him to play, even though the game's different. So you do have to adapt yeah. to today's game. Yeah. But he's really tightened up on particularly the three-point shooting critique that yeah. I had for him. Like, he... He still shoots it, but yeah. that's not like, okay, I'm just going to get a shot up right now. He's he's more he's thinking through it more and using it better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and the other part of his game that I want that I want to see less of is the dribbling. Whenever he dribbles, I get nervous. <laughs> that's true. It's, sometimes his decision making can be a little slow. Yes, uh, particularly with the dribbling. But yeah. to say that, yeah. And still have him putting up the numbers he's putting up, putting up, and still think there's still some things he could clean up and get even better. Better, scary. Ooh, ooh. scary. That's, that's something. That's a nice problem to have. That's it. Scary, scary. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge Joel fan. Um, my friends all tease me because my favorite player on the 76ers is Tobias Harris. Not that I don't love Joel, but Tobias is is my favorite is my favorite player and um he's been playing so well till he got sick like he's been playing he's and i think i think it's nurse i think nurse um has unleashed him in in some ways and that this is a guy that's six nine can rebound um can shoot spot up and can back down you know who he reminds me of a little bit brandon when he's in the post he reminds me of adrian dantley when he's oh. in the post, <laughs> um, that back down and turn. Um, that's what I remember most from Dantley's game. That back down, spin, pop, like that. Like when I see Tobias, um, in the post, he reminds me of Adrian Dantley. That's a great comp. He he's a guy who got a bad rap because of the contract. Yes, but the thing with the contracts is the further you go along in the contract, typically, like the less huge it seems like it makes a little more sense the more in the future you get as everyone else's contracts rise as well exactly and really it comes down to can he play and can he not like he's already on the team so there's no no point really being too upset about the contract because (laughs) he's here he's here (laughs) 
that's what I tell folks. I'm like, do y'all y'all do understand that it's the last year of the contract? Exactly. <laughs> so, also, so stop I'm talking not about the contract. Yeah. If, if if the Lakers call me today and offer me a max deal, I'm taking it. Like y'all right. can say Brandon's sorry he can't. He's not <laughs> worth that much money. I might I might not be to you, but at the bank <laughs> I am. And that's all that matters. That's all. That's all. And that's what I tell folks. Like, like don't blame him. Blame the league. Correct. <laughs> like, See, like I'm saying? not gonna be like, no, don't yeah, give me that kind of money. I'm not worth it. Not, not, I'm not worth that. Like, no, blame the league. And the guys that have come by since Tobias's contract, guys that are not even good as him have exactly. gotten more money than him. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I I do like his game a lot, and I am glad to see y'all playing better because I I like it, especially coming up in the in the nineties, seeing those teams who were good in the nineties or even like the eighties, like you're talking about, be good again. Yeah. So we're seeing the the Knicks, the Celtics, yes. the seventy sixers. My Lakers not cooperating, but that's all right. Yeah. It is what it is. I knew it was coming anyway, so I'm I'm been meditating a lot, so I'm gonna be okay. You'll be all right. Okay, I'm be all right. gonna be all right. Exactly. <laughs> so before I let you go, I got yes. to hear about everything you're doing with Mom, your business, what you how you started, every anything you want to say. The floor is yours because you've been fantastic talking hoops, and this yes. is even more important than that. Thank you so much, Brandon. This has been a great time. Um, you know, we started Mom Your Business really out of frustration from hearing friends of mine who are entrepreneurs struggling to get capital um, that needed resources. And so um, I was working actually at Cheney University at the time, helping small businesses to get business certifications and helping them with doing business with the government. When I started Mom Your Business, we really took off in 2021. And since 2021, we've helped founders raise um, either through grants or loans or um, equity investments. We've helped founders raise close to um, a half a million dollars wow. um, to invest in their business. And so um, through that, where our goal was really to alleviate, we believe that that entrepreneurship is a pathway out of poverty. And so we want to be able um, to provide founders with the skills and the resources and the tools that they need. Uh, to grow their business. So we have a business accelerator program. We have an online technical assistance program. Uh, we do pitch competitions and partners with, with other organizations here um, in Philadelphia. We get ready to roll out a new program um, focused specifically on fractional support for small businesses. And then we just opened up the MYB hub. So we actually have a physical location now. That's a co-working space with a creator studio, uh, with a conference room in the basement when that's completed uh, for people to be able to come, for entrepreneurs to be able to come, safe space, work on your business, talk about your business, get support for your business. Um, and so we're excited about 2024 and where, and where we're going um, with our organization. No, it's a fantastic thing. I know I was in the venture capital lane for a little bit. Um, mm. About as long as I could, I could take it <laughs> because you see the difference in how much money gets to white founders versus black and brown founders. Mm -hmm. It is truly unbelievable. 
It's really and, and and it's unbelievable from the standpoint of the fact that we're a good bet, right? Correct. Uh, when you look at black women in particular being the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs, yet the least funded, um, we can't get loans. We there's so many other things that we can't do, and then. Um, when you look at um, some of our white counterparts who have gotten multiple opportunities, like I talk about the gentleman, just as an example, a gentleman that founded WeWork as we an work. example, um, drove that in the ground, uh, made it, and, and came right back, and they gave him millions of dollars or more on a project. To this day, he still hasn't launched, right? And so it's just indicative uh, of the systemic issues that we face um, as Black and Brown people in this country. And so, and you know, now as the... Um, when you look at, and it breaks my heart when I see what um, Irene and the, and the, and her team are going through with the Fearless Fund, um, being sued by this group that was a part of the overturning of affirmative action, um, being you know told to stop giving money to to black. It's just it's just it's 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 sad because only five percent of venture capital goes to black and brown founders, and y'all want to take that little five percent? Y'all want to take that little five percent? That's the wildest thing talking about the lawsuit is how you do away with this thing and kind of flip it to use it for evil yes. to, to make the gap even larger. Larger. To make the gap even larger. It just doesn't make good sense, right? No. And studies show economically that when black women thrive, the economy is better. I'm not making this up. Look no. it up. Google it. This is a fact. And yet you have people like, you know, Steve Miller and these other guys that want to just take this little bit um, of percentage um, away from us. And it's just, it's really, like I said, but I commend Arian because she has handled it with grace Um she probably cries at night, but she's handled it in front of the cameras with grace. And we support her. Uh, we're a supporter. We we signed on to, to the petition because uh, we have a fund too, First Market Ventures. And so uh, we we, underst we understand that plight. And, and one thing that I refuse to do, and I talked to my board about it, um, do we want to change that saying that we serve as black and brown founders or do we want to say underrepresented, right? Do we want to use that language? And, you know, we're like, no, this is, this is who we are. Uh, this is what we do. We're going to be true to who we are and what we do. Um, and, and, and we're going to just trust God for the result, for the outcomes. And, you know, that's, that's just kind of where, where I am with it, you know? Um, and so we're going to keep pressing and, and, and seeing what happened. And, and it's been tough because a lot of the things that we see in the VC, um, industry, it's mirrored in the philanthropy. Uh, so as a nonprofit, like fundraising has been very challenging because now after the, 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 the guilt and the height of George Floyd has worn off, people go back to, to doing business as, as normal. Um, you know, it, it has become challenging again. And so I'm grateful for partners that will stand up and say, regardless of, you know, the TV, you know, some, and I, I don't want to name folks, but there are organizations and businesses that have said, um, yeah, okay, 
yeah, whatever y'all want to do over there, we're going to continue to invest in black and brown and in diversity and all of those things. Yeah, it's it is truly absurd. And that was one reason why I was like, I can't I couldn't do it for just my health, my mental health, because it was just stressful to be able to run up against that every day. So yes. I admire you for being able to do it. And <laughs> you are a great person to have in the position you are in because you are making a difference. You're going to continue to make a difference. Where can people go to learn more about what you're doing as well as contribute in their own way? Yep. So you can go to momyourbusiness.com. That's mom, Y-O-U-R-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S.com, momyourbusiness.com. Um, you can also go to mybhubnorth.com. That is our space. We have a crowdfunding campaign uh, going on right now to finish that, um, to finish the building. We have a little bit more work to do in the exterior, um, some more things in a little bit, um, a conference room in the basement um, that we need to finish revitalizing that. But you can go um, and support either one of those campaigns um, and just, you know, we appreciate any support that we can get. And it's really, it's really without the support of the people and um the 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 industry and the collaborations um we wouldn't be here so i'm i'm grateful for the opportunity to share with your listeners about our work and then and talking hoops too oh this has been a good oh. day for me <laughs> if this is what venture capital was like i got to talk hoops every day i'd still be doing it talking hoops raising money yes Ooh. that's it <laughs> No, this has been fantastic. All that information with the sites and everything are going to go in the show notes, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple. Please support. This is a great thing. It needs to happen. It needs to happen because like Tanya just said, when Black women succeed, everyone succeeds. That's right. <laughs> so even if you are selfish, you should want to do this. Mm -hmm. So please do. But no, this has been fantastic. I'm glad I finally got the. I was searching. I was like, I got to talk to Tanya about something. So I'm glad <laughs> that I started this series and had you on. I'm yeah. sure I'll have you on more as well, because, you know, a lot of sports, particularly Philly knowledge. You got it yes. down. Yes. yes. So uh, definitely come back again. And I, I cannot thank you enough for being on. Yep. Thank you so much, Brandon. Again, um, mommyourbusiness.com, mybhubnorth.com, um, sixers.com. I'm going to get that in there too. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a long season. I'm sure you and I'll be talking on Twitter as the playoffs get here and NCAA tournament, all that kind of stuff, man. It's hoops, hoops, hoops. This is my time of the year. You already know. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Beyond the Arc with Brandon Silvers. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And I will catch y'all later. <laughs>